इक्विटीज कैन ऑलवेज से रिश्ते में तो हम तुम्हारे बाप लगते नाम है इक्विटीज तो द फिक्स इनकम यू नो यू नो इज नॉट गोइंग टू बी सबसर्वियंट से दैट यू नो हम काले हैं तो क्या हुआ दिल वाले हैं टाइप्स नो Uh, welcome back listeners today we have with us uh, miss bond of the indian markets we have with us miss lakshmi ayer who is the ceo of investment advisory uh, business at kotak investment advisors limited so she has been with the kotak group for over 22 years and prior to joining kotak she has worked with credents as a research analyst where she has been traversing or tracking corporate bond markets in india and generating research reports so she holds an mba uh, from nm college bombay and she is recognized as one of the top 25 influential women in asset management in asia by asian investors uh, i know that women's uh, you know cricket premier league has been going on but uh, here we have someone who is also in her own premier league as she featured on forbes india as well with uh, the w part 2022 towards the end of the last year So I follow you across social media platforms, right? And I know for the fact that you enjoy uh, food analogies, Bollywood analogies, and another thing is that you love roller coasters as well, right? But having said that, how has been the recent roller coaster ride in the financial markets been? What is your take on that? I mean, I would just like to start with that. Sure. Thanks, Sharmi, and hi uh, uh, to all the viewers and listeners. Uh, uh roller coaster is something you know which gives me adrenaline rush and i say this to everyone uh, if you are a teetotaler how do you get your kick so i think uh, that's where the roller coaster of the financial market clearly excites me uh, there are uch neech but that doesn't matter because uh, as i said you know uh, uh, i i have been to so many roller coasters in the world uh, you know pretty much every theme park whether it's sl world as a school child or uh, you know in in into other various disney uh, land and other theme parks there will be lots of ups and downs but it's very very important that um, if you have the patience and more importantly uh, if you dissect things uh, in a manner which is uh, you know pretty methodical um, i i am uh, pretty convinced that uh, it will be a happy ending yeah it's lovely to have you over here and i can see that uh, equity markets are quite similar to an I- bollywood item number like there's a lot of sure sharab but over here in the debt market it's pretty calm and you know it's quite uh, similar to meditating so is it india's time to sit back relax and meditate and uh, if yes how long should she sit back and relax no so my view darshan is that india continues to remain an oasis in the desert uh, given that we are seeing multiple sandstorms in the desert right now and why i say that is because um, there is clearly I won't say a decoupling effect, but clearly, from every aspect, whether it is geopolitical, there's a lot of halchal on the geopolitical front. For example, uh, elsewhere in the world, uh, but there is relative calm. I would say uh, somebody can ask, "Itna itna sannata kyu hai?" But the reality is that um, uh, that is how the geopolitics is, uh, you know, favorably inclined towards India. That's number one. Number two is uh, I know it's a cliche, but clearly, if you look at Indian demographics versus is uh, some of the rest of the world again we uh, you know score a five star so in in that kind of a thing there there could be some um, 
hitchkey moments in the interim and which is what we are witnessing right now uh, from a risk class perspective in case of equities uh, but yeah i think uh, uh, it's it's very important you know you have to uh, keep reinforcing and tell yourself uh, that a all is well which is the reality also despite these intermittent hiccups and second uh, you have to uh, believe in the faith of uh, the long term story and i think uh, that is what equity as an asset class it's not for uh, you know 10 hours uh, 10 weeks uh, or 10 months uh, it is more for a thousand day plus kind of an investor or more for a five year seven year 10 year plus kind of an investor who truly believes that equity is the red bull which is the most needed in your portfolio uh, contrary to uh, you know uh, basically uh, if you need caffeine boosters for your energy uh, i think that's what equity does to your portfolio i well i agree that it is the red bull but currently the bulls have been making the markets red so inequities as far as we are concerned but having said that right uh, globally financial conditions have tightened you know as central banks are accelerating the money policy uh, normalization to keep you know inflation or to cool down inflation but in this current scenario of high interest rates we understand that equities will take a back seat i mean that is something that is a given but where does debt market stand because the global markets are showing strains today and investors i think have become risk averse so in the, in such a scenario where recessionary fears are there interest rates are rising and there is a constant war going on between inflation and growth so uh, who's going to win this war and where do debt markets stand very very pertinent uh, you know and very relevant for the, uh, today's uh, times in terms of discussion clearly uh, the world uh, when it comes to the uh, entire macro picture is in some sort of a bull bullaya mode uh, where you are clearly trying to ascertain uh, which side inflation is going to of course it's globally now trending on the lower side no doubt about it uh, but the biggest um, uh, tigers i would say of 2022 actually were central bankers and their role was so high that we actually saw pretty much the entire globe rattle with high interest rates uh, as we come into 2023 it looks pretty certain that we are uh, closer to a plateauing out when i say closer to a plateauing there could be some more rate uh, hikes in the offing especially as far as the globe is concerned but um, clearly are we going to continue that relentless uh, uh, hike uh, which we saw in 2022 i would say extremely unlikely so we are in that cusp cusp phase where you are in the part of uh, the liposuction phase as i call it where at a point in time the globe actually pumped in huge steroids in the form of liquidity and now is the liposuction phase you need to be very mindful as a central banker that yes there is an inflation song that they're all singing but you must not stretch the cords too much that you uh, you know in the in the pursuit of doing liposuction uh, that the economy should not go into malnourishment so i think that is the phase we are right now and in that kind of a phase clearly fixed income stands tall so i would say that uh, uh, equities can always say rishte mein to hum tumhare baap lagte naam hai equities 
तो काले है तो क्या हुआ दिल वाले है टाइप्स नो इट्स इट्स दैट काइंड ऑफ मोड सेइंग दैट हमको भी थोड़ा यू नो इतरा दो सो द रीजन बीइंग दैट व्हेन यू आर एट द प्लेटो स्टेज एंड एज व्हेन दैट पिवट हैपेंस वी स्टिल कांट सी द पिवट एज फार एज सेंट्रल बैंक्स स्पेशली इन द यूएस इज कंसर्न इवन इन इंडिया इफ आई वर टू से दैट उटफॉर्मिटी but as i said uh, very very important to not go for the overkill on either sides and that's where asset allocation clearly plays its role right so very well pointed out on that note so i understand that you mentioned that equities are a long term play and 10 year 5 year 7 year horizon should be there but for a tactical investor if i'm looking at someone who is looking at say the next few quarters only how do how would you suggest him or her to uh, kind of rebalance or rejig their portfolio in the current scenario इंपॉर्टेंट So I often uh, investors get swayed away by greed and fear, and that's the, these are the two biggest impediments to our wealth creation process. So there's the process of mark to market in the funds, as I know that. Uh, so if the market is going up, the the returns are higher. If it's going down, like you are losing out on the money. So how can one? Uh, and this might also lead to a place where the uh, returns are quite similar to the entry yield like the yield where you entered you'll be making the same amount after maturity so how can you beat that beat that entry yield or create an ideal portfolio with that fund you know again uh, mark to market it's as glad you brought this point because it's seldom appreciated so for example you know types of funds over a case in fixed income one is an actively managed which is what most of the fixed income uh, funds in the industry are and then there are these passives which are in the form of say fixed maturity plans which are closed ended or target maturity funds which are open ended in nature now the beauty of this category of funds is it allows to mitigate interest rate risk which is this up and down kind of a movement to a large extent a credit of course is a function of what is there in the underlying portfolio but as a sort of a market answer no it will still give you that same um, butterflies in your tummy you know that roller coaster feeling it will still give you that depending on what duration you have chosen but that's not the be all and end all of life because if we have selected uh, say for example a fund which matures in 2000 we are in 23 so assuming say it matures in 2026 
And let's assume it's a government of India security portfolio, which is obviously the highest in terms of risk, the sovereign risk. So, you know, even Yamdev can't come from Yamlok and take away those returns from you because you have sorted for the credit risk. You sorted for the uh, the interest rate risk because you've locked in this fund to maturity. But there is going to be that movement in your portfolio because every bond in the portfolio is subject to daily market movement. So we need to really declutter this versus what is available to you on the optics. I'll give you another example just to articulate this point. Last year, if you invested in a target maturity bond fund, which is say maturing in 2027, so it was a five-year fund. Now it is a one-year fund. And at that time, when you locked in, maybe the portfolio yield was say 7%. Today, the portfolio yield might have become 7.5. So the half percent, the yield which went up, which means the price came down. And that is showing in your portfolio as maybe a 2%, 3% kind of a return. So one can't come up and tell the portfolio manager, yeah, return we don't need returns. It is just because of the mark to market. So you have to stay the course. And that is why staying the course, depending on whichever your uh, portfolio is, is extremely important. So don't get perturbed by mark to market. It's absolutely okay to have that as part of your portfolio. Uh, very well put and that there's an inverse relationship between the yield and the bond price and that you've put it out beautifully. But having said that and, ex you know, ex extrapolating one of your recent uh, LinkedIn posts, I'd like to ask, is this the time to bond with the bond markets then? Totally. I mean, you that tagline is something which is my favorite. Uh, yeah. This is the time to bond, no doubt about it. Uh, James Bond movies I know are not uh, right now available uh, as a new release but yes it's worth revisiting some of those that you liked in the past and uh, try to position yourself somewhere around the three to five year sort of a duration bucket that is where we believe and, and that's again I have a logic for that if you see the yield curve is absolutely flat which means what the one year is commanding it's pretty much similar to what the 10 years is commanding there's hardly a gap and that's what you call as a flat yield curve so when you are in that kind of a flat terrain you're okay to gain exposure right at the belly which is the middle of the yield curve which allows you to participate in fixed income on a risk reward adjusted basis it tends to offer um, lesser volatility compared to the very long end, which is what I call Zorka Jatka Direse. So yes, go for it. Um, how how hard you want to bond, how deep you want to bond, again, as I mentioned, is purely a function of um, your uh, asset allocation. Uh, don't go completely uh, you know, out of the whack, uh, but don't be too very uh, you know, complacent or very, very conservative. So there is a mid path that clearly you need to take. I've recently uh, read an article where it says that Indian banks are poised to see a record credit growth of over $19 trillion in FY23. But however, rising interest rates and the tight liquidity conditions could overplay the same. So what is the key to keep the mo growth momentum running in FY24? Or who is our Pathan in the offing to spring up and give an another blockbuster for us? So, you know, the bank credit 
uh, growth if you see you will be reminded of jayesh bhai jordar you know those are the kind of it's absolutely jordar kind of portfolio growth that these banks are showing uh, but to your point to continue these uchai it is very difficult because every time you have a high base uh, bank credit growth in india aggregate a 16 to 17 percent odd um, and if you have to continue to you know keep uh, growing at that pace uh, your deposit growth also has to keep pace now if you look at it the deposit growth is growing around 9 to 10% and the credit growth is growing at 16 to 17% which is why these banks are actually moving to issuance also in the form of cds which is a certificate of deposit market uh, also is equally important so clearly the funding pipeline needs to be intact that's number one to sustain this momentum second is that the global uh, headwinds also need to kind of morph into tailwinds because you need uh, you know both of these um, as they say it takes two to tango you require a combination of domestic with an interplay or overlay of the global factors to maintain this and you know sustain this growth uh, it doesn't look impossible but at high altitude, uh, you know, you all know and we are all aware that the necessity for oxygen mask will only keep increasing. Uh, banking NPA cycle, you know, also you need to remember is at almost a seven to eight year low. So therefore, it's important that you uh, originate the right kind of assets to continue and to solve for this and to ensure that uh, this growth path continues to remain fairly intact. Uh, you you brought out the topic you know for global headwinds and tailwinds so on on that note uh, i've mentioned this earlier as well that central bank you know has been cooling trying to cool inflation by slowing down economic growth so the policy that's come out with right have to be seen or considered to be reasonable for the general audience and with that the government has also been spending trillions to support the economy but despite all these efforts growth is still happening at a much slower pace than expected layoffs aren't stopping there's slowdown in china that's also taking place so in such a scenario where there are so many global headwinds uh you know kind of uh coming as demons for us how can an investor retain faith in the economy yeah, I think, Charmi, one thing is very clear, the Indian uh, government officials or the Indian central bankers are not like jadugars, you know, that they have a magic wand in their hand because there are these other bhediyas and villains of the globe, uh, which will obviously keep acting on the Indian economy also uh, with a lag, with a lead, as the case may be. But despite that, as I mentioned, I started off saying, why is India an oasis in the desert? Because despite the fact that IMF projects global growth to be sub 3%, uh, our caliber to grow double of that is still very, very high. So I think it's very, very important, therefore, to keep that conviction on. Uh, there will be, as I said, there will be some of these uh, up and down moments. Uh, there will be uh, a constant, uh, you know, uh, FPI kind of, you know, foreign portfolio investors, if you see year to date, are actually uh, uh, net negative. They have a net sold in equities. Of course, it's just uh, about two months over. We have 10 months more to go. But on the other hand, we have domestic institutional investors or DIIs who are actually doing a juk juk geo to our um, you know capital markets. So I think there are these multiple tug of war um, uh, cases which will keep happening. But for an Indian investor, if you look at it, and if I, I can give you a global perspective also, if you look at the last 25 to 30 years, um, India has returned close to about 9% dollar return to the foreign investors. 
So you can imagine in that period what kind of returns Indian investors have got because this is adjusting for the rupee depreciation. And I think uh, therefore the fundamental faith and the fundamental growth propellers for Indian corporates remain fairly intact. As long as, you know, we don't really do anything, uh, you know, short of a self-goal. I think the growth drivers, our demographics, the thrust, look at the kind of thrust that we have had um, as far as the budget is concerned, you know, the capital expenditure growth. That we call, you know, in many colloquial terms, revenue expenditure. But capital expenditure is the more durable way of sustaining this growth path. I think so all those uh, check boxes are pretty much there. Uh, net exporters of toys. Um, so I think you know, a lot of these things are happening. Rome was not built in a day. So if you expect everything to happen uh, with, like you know millennials today want instant gratification posting to instagram and then you know getting that fomo feeling why i don't have likes investments are not like instagram <laughs> so you need to really keep your uh, balance intact you just need to keep tell you, telling yourself um, you know there is this movie uh, sui dhaga in which varun dhawan chadde se pani tapakra and says sab badhiya hai so you have to actually keep telling yourself sab badhiya hai because truly sab badhiya hai there may be some small chinks in the armor, but that should not really derail the journey. It probably could play the gratification, but gratification we will get for sure. Those are quite a few analogies that I like, and uh, and I've loved uh, India's growth story having come to Canada over here. I've I've been in more awe of the credit market. Like it has grown to a total of one seventy four point three lakh crore with n number of loans given across like retail, microfinance, and commercial segments. That's mammoth and huge. So like it it is making me ponder over two questions. Like what what are the quality of the loans that we have given out? And secondly, what measures the government has taken to prevent uh, any other hiccup in the credit market, like which we have recently witnessed? So as I said, lending standards uh, have to be obviously pretty, uh, you know, uh, tight. And, and that's how we've been seeing the banking sector grow leaps and miles. Uh, in that, microfinance is, you know, an attempt to get the unorganized sector actually into the organized sector. And it is growing pretty much. It had taken a breather during the pandemic phase because the unorganized sector was uh, quite badly impacted and relatively it was much higher impacted. But there are, as I said, um, ways and means to get the organ unorganized uh, lending to the organized model and therefore I would say the microfinance lending has assumed a lot of significance. Uh, banks are doing it, NBFCs are doing it, there are these small finance banks um, who are doing it, um, now they've got the you know status of a small finance bank. These are very important pieces in the ecosystem. So I think to continue growing uh, to see a segment like this or any other segment, I would bring in even the SME or the MSME, which is the small and medium enterprise segment. Uh, it's very important to have a broad-based growth. Uh, it cannot be a case that only... Um, uh, the the large uh, market cap companies would get keep getting access to source of financing, whereas the bottom of the pyramid may not really have access. It can happen in patches, and therefore the entire ecosystem has to be there in place. And therefore the underwriting standards, uh, the credit risk parameters, the risk management system. All of that around that have to work in tandem to ensure that we do not have um, 
too many catastrophes. You also need to bear in mind when you are lending. You know, it is like uh, I have bought a car. Uh, if I keep my car in the garage forever, there will be absolutely, it will be absolutely squeaky clean and, uh, you know, shining. But if I take the car out, uh, I have to ensure as a driver, I need to ensure that there are no fatal accidents. Um, uh, a scratch or two here or there is absolutely uh, inevitable. Uh, otherwise, as I said, your car needs to sit in the garage. Similar is the case in lending. You need to ensure as a fiduciary responsibility, you don't make major accidents, but small scratches here, there, uh, in terms of some delay, how do you handhold the investor? It's important, as I said, therefore, preempt some of these and try not to. So the checks and bowls, you know, the bells and whistles, as they call, um, have to be purely it's like this you know you go um, i'll get back my role for example or um, even in your uh in, in in the day on day case where you're sitting uh, on the passenger seat you have to belt yourself belting is inevitable right so uh, uh just you know kind of extending that particular point on the fact that central bankers are not magicians and they cannot uh you know kind of do things in a day or two uh so imf i recently read an article that was published by imf written by raghuram rajan so where he mentions he he you know mentions out a case for and a case against central banks but very interestingly he mentions that when central bankers do succeed in bringing inflation down we will probably return to a low growth, low inflation world, right? And that is a world that central bankers do not understand or understand less well. So having said that, I have two questions. One, do you agree to that? And two, if that happens and when that happens, what should central bank mandates look like? I mean, what will happen to the fiscal and financial dominance then? See, you know, uh, historically, and if you see this globally, the central bankers are always on the firing line, you know, uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't. That's always been the case. And it's always been the case of uh, those, uh, that one goal that you missed versus the 99 goals that you took. Uh, and then therefore, it's a very, very, uh, I mean, getting into the central bank shoes uh, is, is extremely, extremely, therefore, um, uh, hugely vulnerable because they have to be constantly on the firing line. Having said that, if I give you two perspectives, one is um, from an India standpoint, uh, uh, we we saw the inflation, uh, you know, villain or the monster coming uh, pretty much way ahead of the globe. That's that's number one, because when the world was still uh, growing balance sheets, uh, it's our central banker which actually uh, ceased doing these uh, open market bond purchases. And back in, uh, uh, you know, a year over a year back, September 21, when, as I said, the world was actually trying to uh, pump in more steroids into the system. Uh, that's number one. Number two is a bulk of this phase of inflation that we have seen in the last couple of years um, is to do with supply side constraints. It's to a very, very lesser extent uh, to do with the demand side. And we've learned, all of us have learned in economics in B-School that central banker actions can solve to a large extent for the demand side problems and to a very less extent on the supply side constraints. Uh, but even, even uh, despite that, in India, we've seen over 200 basis points of tightening and an implied 300 basis points of tightening already. And as I said, the US is still not in a mood to relent. They might not be in fourth gear, but they're certainly not in the neutral zone. So I think this tug of war will keep continuing at, at some point in time. It will come as the dog wagging the tail or the tail wagging the dog. But either which ways, the tail belongs to the dog and the dog is part of wagging the tail is the way I believe it. 
and and hence i would say that uh, uh, the central bankers should also not go into such a uh, i would say uh, uh, tight fisted uh, regime uh, that growth uh, falters how and and that is where this constant debate of uh, the economy specifically in the us going into a soft landing or hard landing uh, is being discussed uh, i would say it is okay to grow a little less uh, when you are taming a beast called inflation but when the bounce back happens i think you need to be right there with your torch uh, saying that you know if i were the lead as far as rate hikes are concerned i am also going to be the torch bearer as far as rate cuts are concerned uh, and therefore that point of pivot is going to be extremely important historically we have seen uh, for uh, you know it it takes uh, every every act acts with a lag uh, into the economy whether it's a rate hike act or it's a rate cut act and there is typically a period of hibernation and that period could lag uh, could last at least 2 to 3 quarters so i would say it's okay for the central bankers to err sometimes on the side of caution but to ensure that inflation uh, is is tamed at the earliest extremely important so i think the ideal tug of war is between the equity and the debt market given that we have uh, like uh, there's 52% of the total investment is uh, in the deposits and uh, with that the interest rates are rising the yields are rising so my question is like uh, how sustainable are, are these yields going to be uh, given the historical you know spread of the yields and the repo rate so whenever you reach a horizon you see many more horizons uh, right in front of you so what is that india horizon that you currently look for us so my view is that the higher interest rates are here to stay for some more time but is it going to keep relentlessly rising from the current levels i would assign a low probability for that see markets have this very uncanny ability you know they have that divya drishti uh, and if you've seen the movie drishyam you will understand what i'm trying to say uh, they they may see things which are not meant to be seen also but aside of that uh, they try to discount things ahead of its happening for example if someone says april mein rate hike hoga ki nahi hoga well i don't know it's still a toss of a coin but the markets have already priced that as if there is going to be a rate hike तो समझो अगर रेट हाइक नहीं हुआ देन देर इज अयर चांस दैट द मार्केट विल एक्चुअली कूल ऑफ वेर द बॉन्ड ईल्स कैन एक्चुअली कम डाउन सो दे फॉर फॉर इंडिया ईल्स माई व्यू इज इट्स नॉट रियली टग ऑफ वॉर्ड बिटवीन एक्विटीज और फिक्सड इनकम माई व्यू इज दैट एक म्यान में दो तलवार रह सकती है सो एक्विटीज एंड फिक्सड इनकम है बिकॉज द एंड यूज ऑफ बोथ ऑफ दीज इन टर्म्स ऑफ योर पोर्टफोलियो आर अ वेरी डिफरेंट थिंग even if you are dieting you know even if you are doing intermittent fasting uh, you can eat a cheese toast you can eat uh, you know a small portion of sweet meal both have very distinct and uh, you know diverse advantages and you must have your salads and your greens so your salads and your greens are your fixed income and your cheese on toast and your sweet meat is actually your equities so both of them are absolutely required if you have to make your financial portfolio palatable so it's not clearly a tug of war from from my perspective but yes um, you will have this constant uh, pull between uh, being pulled there is a huge magnetic pull for traditional mode of deposits for example banking products in india and with the rates looking attractive uh, there will be all that that charismatic magnetic pull 
how much you are going to say opposites attract and actually succumb to that. It's okay to do it in sparing proportions, but to keep that as an overwhelming portion uh, is again, as I said, is totally a function of your risk appetite. So I think you need to have all of these in sparing proportions in your portfolio. Right. So uh, uh, we have uh, the salads, have right? The salads, and the cheat meals as equities. But in this kind of a scenario, and with asset, going back to a conversation of asset allocation, uh, where do other sectors come in? Like real estate, bullion, commodities. How would you kind of, what's your view on them? You know, sir, Chami, when you're creating your portfolio, the focus has to be first around financial assets, which is where equities and fixed income really hog that uh, Bahubali kind of a status. Uh, and then after that, you have these uh, small, uh, you know, pygmies that have to make up for the entire holistic portfolio. And uh, that is where uh, I would bring in gold, uh, which is like, um, you know, a soldier to your portfolio. It is your Dwarpal, where everything else goes uh, a kind of down under uh, it is your tall person standing or it is your last person standing in your portfolio so it's absolutely okay to expect gold to expire worthless in your portfolio because the rest of your portfolio would have made enough and more uh, uh, you know wealth for you over the next maybe 10 20 30 years um Alternates, uh, including, say, physical assets like real estate, uh, have only as much as you can chew because, uh, you know, as I said, the fulcrum has to be around um, uh, equities and fixed income in the total wealth creation journey with a sparing proportion of gold. Um, uh, insurance has to be treated as a pure risk cover. So have it have a term insurance, for example, in your portfolio and again, let it expire worthless. Um, don't do uh, this greed and fear evaluation when it comes to insurance. Um, and uh, some of these emerging asset classes, uh, I tell people I don't understand that. Somebody asked me the other day, um, what do you make of crypto? You know, I showed them a thali and explained explain to them asset allocation. I spoke about the carbs. I spoke about the proteins and the vitamins and the fats. And um, one cheeky investor uh, asked me, what about the papad? You didn't speak about the papad. And I told her that uh, papad is like the crypto in your portfolio. After you eat, it takes more than 72 hours to digest. So, you know, and, and I also told her in the same breath, please ask uh, 20 minus uh, in age about crypto. Don't ask me because I am a 40 plus. So, you know, you have to be very clear what is going to be your driver for wealth creation and uh, getting carried away by too many options in your portfolio can be very stylish but in investments it's absolutely okay to be old-fashioned great great i think i'll just round up the conversation that we had i mean we've had a roller coaster of a ride we were started from asset allocation to discussing about central bankers to discussing about why fixed incomes and we ended at like you know the crux of the conversation is somebody yeah i think you have to believe in the India story as we've been, you know, coming out with every podcast at the end. The end line is that and nothing else. So believe in the India story and stay invested and keep the faith. Uh, having said that, we'll just round this up with our uh, signature rapid fire round. So quick two minutes. So I'll just start. So uh, the first word being market volatility. Actual. Uh, well. Brahmastra. Central bankers. Tigers. Kotak. 
हर दिल में हमेशा से कोना कोना कोटक ग्रोथ वर्सेस इन्फ्लेशन टैग ऑफ वॉर बट यस फाइनली ग्रोथ विल प्रिवेल क्रेडिट छूना मना नहीं है बट स्पेरिंगली छूना एसेट एलोकेशन थाली असोर्टेड थाली गो फॉर इट